can't put your arm around a memory. You can't put your arm around a memory. You can't put your arm around a memory. Don't try. I don't try. You're just a bastard kid. And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you joining us. As always, John Paulson joins me, the 444.com fantasy football ranking guru, John Paulson. How are we doing today? I'm not bad. How are you? Good. How about our music today? You just told me off air. I, I, you gotta, you gotta tell me why you picked this song, or you gotta tell our listeners why you picked this song because I love the deeper meaning here. I'll tell you, and I'll tell the listeners why I picked this song. This is a track called "You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory" by Johnny Thunders, uh, who was the, also the lead singer of the New York Dolls. This is from 1978. His album "So Alone." It's the second track. I'll put it on the uh, podcast playlist, but. I thought it was fitting, given the way that uh, Eli Manning played last night, that you really can't put your arms around a memory. No, uh, so. or two memories in his case. Yeah. With the two Super Bowls. No, that yeah. was ugly. That was definitely ugly. Um, I don't. Do we talk about it? Yeah, we do. We talk about it. Sorry, we'll we'll save it. I, I looked at the rundown briefly. I didn't see it, but now I do. Okay, so we'll we'll save the the Eli bashing uh, for a little bit later on, and if really the front office bashing for the Giants because. You saw it last night on display. Saquon Barkley was an absolute beast, and yet they still lost by double digits because, surprise, surprise, they don't have a quarterback. Uh, but i got to tell you about League Sync. I downloaded League Sync. It's, it's fantastic. If you haven't, do so via your iPhone, your iPad. It's the app that helps you set the highest scoring lineup every week and pick the highest scoring free agents for the week and the rest of the season. I had Matthew Stafford on a buy in one league. All I did was I downloaded League, League Sync from my uh, iPhone app store, and it told me, look, Jameis Winston's going to score the highest points this week. That's all, you know, pick him up off your waiver wire. He's there. I plugged him right in. Boom, I'm done. I looked at, uh, I think a kicker was also not going to score me enough points as one of the guys on the waiver wire. Swapped them out. I mean, that's what, that's the beauty of League Sync. So all you have to do, it's a free download. All you have to do is search 4 for 4 or League Sync in the App Store. Existing Pro and DFS subscribers subscribers get full access to the app's features. So in my case, I have a, a, a full DFS subscription to 4for4.com. So I get full access to League Sync. Everyone else, if you don't have a subscription to 444.com, everyone else receives a seven-day free trial, so make sure you check that out. All right, John, you want to start off with injuries? Yeah, let's go through the injuries. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook first, the running back for the Minnesota Vikings who's been banged up with that hamstring injury. Good news, though, for Dalvin Cook owners. He was upgraded to full in Thursday's practice. What do you think about the matchup with the Arizona Cardinals? Well, it's, it's a really good matchup. It's actually the best running back matchup in the league. The Cardinals are 32nd adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to running backs. They just got smashed by the 49ers running backs uh, last week. And uh, this is a good spot for him, although you're a little bit worried about the uh, the hamstring, uh, re- possibly re-injuring it. He did come back uh Briefly against the Rams for the first half, he only had 10 carries for, for 20 yards. He only played 24% of the snaps. And, you know, we're looking for more of a, a week one workload where he had uh, 16 carries, six receptions. Uh, we're looking for something like that uh, out of Cook here against the Cardinals in week six. 
All right, let's talk about another running back situation, this time in Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette, he's been ruled out for this Week 6 matchup against the Cowboys. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury. There was a report by the Florida Football Insiders, who I'm not familiar with the source, John, maybe you are. Uh, They say they have a source having knowledge of the situation or the Jaguars thinking that Leonard Fournette is likely to sit out through the Week 9 bye. So thoughts on that and then TJ Yeldon's matchup with the Cowboys. Well, there's nothing you can really do if you're a Fournette owner other than uh, hold on to him and uh, try to make it until he comes back. Hopefully the report is erroneous. So it's not confirmed, but uh, it's certainly possible that his hamstring is bad enough and they just want to uh, let it heal completely before bringing him back. I mean, TJ Yeldon is playing well um, in the four games in which Fournette was out or was injured in the game. Yeldon has averaged 16 touches for 96 total yards and .75 touchdowns. Uh, they lost Corey Grant, <clears throat> excuse me, to the injury. Uh, so they signed uh, Jamal Charles. So Jamal Charles off the street as the backup. I think Yeldon is still going to be the main ball carrier. Um, he's playing well, so I think Charles will just be the backup, like uh, Grant was serving behind uh, behind Yeldon. So I think Yeldon is going to be a low end RB one start as long as Fournette's. ESPN's Dan Graziano reports that the Falcons do not believe that Devontae Freeman's foot injury is a long-time concern, but he didn't practice again on Thursday. He's trending toward doubtful for that matchup with the Buccaneers. It's turning out to be a lost season for not only the Falcons, but also their uh, talents are running back Devontae Freeman. Tampa Bay's defense is pretty horrendous, John. Do you like Tevin Coleman as an RB1 this week if Freeman does not play? I do. I was looking at the split between Coleman and Ito Smith because Ito was eating into his <laughs> Coleman's uh, uh, workload a little bit through weeks two and two through four. Uh, Fifty-four touches, 20, 249 yards, and a touchdown for Coleman. Uh, so that's three games, about 80, 80 yards total yards per game, and a touchdown, uh, one third of a touchdown, I guess. 25, 25 touches for one hundred thirty-seven yards and a touchdown for Smith. So you're looking at like a two to one. Slightly over a two to one ratio there in touches between Coleman and Smith. I think Coleman's like a low end RB one, high end RB two uh, this week against the Bucks. The Bucks are twenty fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. All right, let's talk about Matt Burita. He is uh, he was spotted walking with a noticeable limp on Thursday. He's dealing with the ankle injury, according to Matt Mayoko of uh, NBC. Brita had both ankles wrapped, but was not supporting it. Uh, was not sporting a boot. Kyle Shanahan has completely refused to rule Brita out for Monday night. I would assume, John, that he won't play. If he does play, it won't be effective. How good of an opportunity is this for Alfred Morris against your Packers? There's actually a couple of uh, updates on that, or there was one update. There was the October 11th uh, tweet from Matt Mayoko, who said that. There was a noticeable limp, and then he updated it and it said he had no noticeable limp, uh, but both ankles were wrapped. So it's a Monday night game. That's a little dicey. Uh, the, the original report on this was that it was a high ankle sprain, but it's not the high ankle sprain apparently that keeps you out three to four weeks or longer. Uh, so since he hasn't been ruled out for Monday, there is a chance that he comes back and is able to play. I'm Right now I have... Alfred Morris as the lead back there. Um, you know, Brita had nine touches and 13 snaps last week, so he was heavily involved at the start of the game against the Cardinals. And then Morris came in after uh, Brita uh, was knocked out of the game. He had 21 touches for 91 yards. Kyle Juszczyk, which is uh, the fullback there, he's worth a look in 
PPR formats because he had six catches for 75 yards on seven targets with uh, Brita out. So he's, you know, in a game against the Packers, which I don't know. We, I think fantasy wise or fan wise, we think the Packers are going to jump out to a big lead. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, this is not you the same Packer it. team that, yeah, I don't like, this could be a very competitive game or, it, you know, it might take a while if the Packers are going to win this one to, to maybe win it in the fourth quarter. So this is not necessarily a team that's going to jump out to a 21 nothing lead and then force the uh, 49ers to uh, play catch up the entire game. Uh, so I think Morris is a solid RB2 if uh, Breed is out. And I think Juszczyk is kind of an RB3 flex type in PPR formats as a as a primary uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. Marlon Mack for the Colts, dealing with a hamstring injury, is practicing in full for week six. The Colts take on the Jets on Sunday. Of the three backs, you've got Naheem Hines, you've got Marlon Mack, and then you've got um, – who's the third back? Wilkins. Here? Wilkins, thank you, Jordan, Jordan Wilkins. Wilkins. I, would, I would imagine, John, that Naheem Hines is still the back you want to own, correct? Uh, well, I, I put this in the rundown because I wanted – fantasy owners to be aware that Mac was making his way back. Uh, so whenever you have like a sixth, seventh round, eighth round pick who isn't playing much in the start of the season, he hits a lot of waiver wires and I've seen him hit a lot of waiver wires. And I think um, it's time to pick him back up and stash him. It seems like they rushed him back uh, in week two. He had 11 touches for 36 yards, but then must've re-injured his hamstring similar to what happened to Leonard Fournette, but his strain must not have been as bad because he's back now. Uh, they're looking for, some running. I mean, Naheem Hines is fine uh, as a pass catcher, uh, but he hasn't really gotten it done as a runner. Um, you know, he's averaged seven or eight catches a, a game with, with Mac out, but he's only averaging three yards per carry. Uh, he had 15 for 45 against the Patriots um, in week five. Uh, you know, he had with, with Mac out, he's had seven catches for 33 yards, five catches for 25, nine for 63, and two touchdowns against Houston in week four, and then seven for 45 against the uh, Patriots in week five. And I think what will happen is, you know, Mac, if he comes back and looks pretty good, he'll end up being the primary ball carrier and Hines will get a lot of that passing work, but not all of it because Mac's a pretty good pass catcher as well. Uh, I think they'd like to just put Wilkins, you know, behind Mac as the backup, uh, you know, heading into the season. Uh, Jim Ursay, you know, talked about Mac as a possible 1500 yard uh, back. And obviously that's not going to happen now, given all the games he's missed, but that's the way they were sort of viewing him. Uh, to start the season, I think they'd like to get back to that. So he's a guy I'm picking up and stashing and hoping he uh, gets it going. Uh, you also keep Hines because he's been really productive PPR-wise, and if something happens to Mac, he's going to go back to that 6-7 to seven to 8 catch uh, range there as the primary pa- uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. All right, let's talk about Green Bay's wide receiver situation. The, again, the Packers play the 49ers on Monday night. Mike McCarthy said that Geronimo Allison is dealing with a – well, we know he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Randall Cobb, also the same injury. They will again work off to the side with the rehab group today, today being Friday. We don't we don't know. We'll have more information on Saturday and certainly Sunday, John. But where we sit right now, what are you advising fantasy owners with Cobb, Allison, and then even Aaron Rodgers? Well, this is – particularly tough because it's a Monday night game and we may not have enough information on Sunday morning to make a, if, if they're listed as questionable on Saturday, then we're, we're stuck uh, because we don't know for sure if they're going to play on Monday night, unless we get um, a tweet from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or some, somebody that's pretty plugged in that knows how the guy's doing. Now, Geronimo Allison originally missed last week because he had the concussion and didn't get cleared in time to play. 
Um, I'm surprised that he has this hamstring injury now. I don't know when this would have happened, um, unless it was unless it's really minor. Because he because the play that knocked him out of the game against uh, Buffalo was uh, was the concussion. Uh, so he was playing up to that point. So when did he suffer this hamstring injury? Uh, so I'm confused by that. Uh, my guess is that he ends up playing, um, and then Cobb is the one that actually has the, the bad hamstring injury, and he's sort of iffy. You kind of write him, assume he's going to be out until he starts practicing fully. Uh, hopefully we have more information on Saturday when they do their final pra- final full practice. Uh, but right now, I'm tentatively expecting Allison to play, and I'm pretty skeptical about Cobb. All right, let's talk about the Rams wide receiver situation as well. Both Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup suffered concussions last week in that win over the Seahawks. Cooks and Cup both practiced on Thursday, so seemingly no concern here with the Rams wide receivers, John. Yeah, other than I think the matchup for... Uh, cup he's got chris harris in the slot and that's the worst matchup of the denver uh cornerback so you know cooks i think and woods are pretty safe if they're playing cup has been really really productive um but he has a bad matchup this week i don't think you necessarily bench him he's been on fire but he's just not uh maybe as as safe of a a start this week but just back to the the packers for a second i wanted to mention marquez uh valdez scantling because i think even if Allison plays, he's still going to see 70% or more of the snaps with, with Cobb probably out. So he's a fairly safe start unless, you know, the only thing that bad thing that could happen is Allison and Cobb both play and then his snaps go down to 20 or 30%. All right, uh, New England. Chris Hogan dealing with the thigh injury. He was downgraded to did not practice on Thursday. Looks like he's heading in the wrong direction for that Sunday night tilt against the Chiefs. Uh, Chris Hogan has been a major fantasy disappointment this year, obviously because of the injury. What does this mean for Josh Gordon? Well, it's it helps everybody if he's out. He's been playing even with you know Gordon in the fold. He's last three games he's played hundred uh, percent of the snaps, eighty six percent, and ninety one percent of the snaps. I think Gordon came over in week four. Uh, if I remember, yes, he did. He played twenty two percent of the snaps in week four, and then twenty six percent of the snaps in week five. So if if Hogan is out, like he hasn't been very productive in his snaps. I mean, he's been on the field, but you know, three for 31 against Detroit, one for 25 against Miami, three for 34 against the Colts, uh, you know, eight, nine total targets in the last three games. Uh, so these injuries, when I, I do the injury reports and stuff at four for four, and I notice when they do have this midweek downgrade, it's usually a bad sign, but sometimes the player comes back. And he just was maybe he felt something on Thursday, and he comes back on Friday, and he's fine. It was it was nothing major, but if he's out today uh, of practice or very limited, then um, then it's a really a big question mark for his their their Sunday game against the Chiefs, and it's a great it's a great spot. So if he's out, I would expect you know his ninety to one hundred percent of the snaps to go to Philip Dorsett and uh, Josh Gordon, and I think we've seen that Josh Gordon is probably uh, the most capable of making. Uh, big plays, trying to get him involved and get him. Uh, he caught uh, Tom Brady's what 500th uh, touchdown pass in the last game. So you know, four targets there for for Gordon on 26 percent of the snaps. You know, four targets on 18 snaps. That's a pretty good rate for him. So it looks like Tom Brady's looking for him. Eric Ebron, shin, quad, ankle, knee. That's correct. That's that's <laughs> his full injury history right now. He returned to practice on Friday. 
I mean, that's that's a lot to be dealing with right now. But he had a hell of a game last week. Is he, <clears throat> assuming uh, no setbacks with any of his injuries, is he a tight end one play with Jack Doyle also still dealing with that hip injury? Yeah, with Jack Doyle on the shelf, uh, Ebron is uh, tight. You know, the tight end position has just been pretty brutal outside of the top couple guys, uh, Zach Ertz and uh, Travis Kelsey. Even Gronk has had his struggles. Uh, so Ebron, you know, his four for fifty one a touchdown in week one, three for twenty six and a touchdown week two. That was with Doyle playing five for thirty three in week three, five for forty and a touchdown in week four. Then last week's blow up nine for one hundred five, two touchdowns. You know, double-digit targets the last three weeks. So even in that game, uh, week three, where he had five for 33, and, you know, I thought he was going to, you know, I had him ranked pretty high, um, and I thought he would have a blow-up game. He did have 11 targets, so the opportunity was there. So 11, 10, and 15 targets the last three weeks. Uh, obviously, when you're listed with four injuries, it's a little bit worrisome, but it looks like they're just giving him the rest, and he's going to play. I mean, he's back at practice today and just banged up, but he should see... Uh, another heavy workload this week. O.J. Howard remained limited at practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a knee injury. He's less than two weeks removed from a sprained MCL. But if he does play, he has a hell of a matchup against a banged-up Atlanta team. Yeah, and I'm watching this one closely, you know, to see how it impacts Cameron Brait because, you know, Brait is a longtime favorite of Jameis Winston. In their last 13 games together, uh, Cameron Brait's caught 35 He's averaged 3.5 catches for 43 yards, 0.46 touchdowns. Those are mid to low end RB or uh, tight end one numbers. He did not do much in the last two games uh, late last year with Howard out and Winston at quarterback. He caught three for 13 on four targets and three for 37 on five targets. So it's not a no brainer start, but if you're streaming the position and Howard's out, uh, then I think Braid's a good, uh, really good start for people that are streaming or struggling at the position. If Howard plays, he's kind of coming. I mean, he's got that MCL sprain. He's supposed to miss two weeks. I think we're at two weeks now because uh, they had a bye last week. So he's at the front end of that recovery. I don't think he'll be 100%. I still think Bright's a decent start. Uh, a lot of those averages that I gave you, um, a lot of those games, thir- those 13 games with Winston, a lot of them were with Howard as well. I think 11 of them had Howard in the lineup last year. He's obviously better than he was last year as a rookie. Uh, so, so Bright's still startable if Howard plays, but he's just not uh, as, as much of a no-brainer start. And then finally, Greg Olson, he was upgraded to full in Thursday's practice, so barring a setback, he's going to be out there for the first time since week one. Given the volatility of the tight end position, which you just mentioned, John, with all the injuries and how, how bad it's been, do you roll the dice with him against Washington? I mean, Washington looked horrible defensively on Monday night. Well, I would say Olsen is kind of a you know tight end two. Like you're, he had two. He only played twenty four percent of the snaps in week one. He had two catches, uh, thirty three yards, two targets uh, on sixteen snaps. So that's not bad usage there. He's been a little shaky the last couple of years. I mean, his production has not has not been as solid as it was in previous years. I think my concern with this team when Olsen comes back is the dent that it puts in uh, Devin Funchess's workload uh, eight games with Olsen since uh, 2017 for Funchess 3.1 catches for 47 yards 0.25 touchdowns in the 12 games without Olsen in the same span 4.7 catches for 59 yards and 0.58 touchdowns so Funchess goes from like a you know a solid wide receiver two 
to wide receiver three, wide receiver four when Olsen's back in the lineup. Now, this isn't the Olsen necessarily of mid to 2017, uh, but the, you know, I'm worried about the targets there uh, for Funchess if he's, if the tight end's back. All right, let's talk about this Thursday night football game. So we'll start off with the good. Carson Wentz, he'd been trending in the right direction the last couple of weeks. He had thrown for over 300 yards in back-to-back weeks, and he also had multiple scores in back-to-back weeks. Well, he goes out there last night and completed 26 of 36 passes, 278 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and he just absolutely demolished the Giants. So is Carson Wentz back on the full QB1 radar now? Yeah, I had him at 13. I had him at I mean, he, initial rankings. He came in at QB 15 or 16. I've been moving him up this week uh, as I look closer. Like the, the one issue with this week's rankings is that uh, Wentz was facing the Giants, and they had the number one adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And it's a little bit misleading at this early in the in the season. Still, I mean, it's it's nice to have that data, but you can't trust it. In, you know, completely. You can never really trust it completely. You have to look and see what's going on with the team and, and what happened with the, with the previous teams that they played. Obviously, the, the Giants' pass defense is not as good as that, um, and Wentz just kind of went nuts uh, on them. And uh, that first, I knew it was going to be a good night for him on that first rollout when he kind of threw it back across his body and got it to to Jeffrey in the end zone. That was pretty sweet. Um, and then Nelson Aguilar, I, I just wanted to mention that I – the splits that I looked up yesterday with and without Wentz, Aguilar's numbers took a big hit with Wentz in the lineup. And he did have three for 91, uh, including a 58-yarder uh, last night. But one of those targets wasn't even meant for him. His first catch, I think it was a 20- or 30-yard catch, uh, was meant for somebody else, and it kind of popped up in the air, and he caught it. So it's a little bit misleading. He ended up with five targets, but I think he actually had four. Um, he's not as big a part of this passing game, I think, with Wentz under center with Jeffrey and, and Ertz uh, healthy. Um, you want to talk about those running backs too? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Wendell Smallwood rushed 18 times for 51 yards in that victory. He failed to record a gain on his only reception of the night. Corey Clement rushed 11 times for 43 yards, so he had a touchdown. I mean, there there wasn't a lot to be gleaned outside of the fact that Clement added three catches for 26 additional yards. So my, just looking at those statistics and then watching the game last night and how they were used, I mean, Corey Clement's going to be their RB1, but it's going to be a committee. Yeah, it's a committee, and you know, last night Smallwood started and played a lot, and then they got down to the red zone, and then Clement came in and had that fourteen-yard scamper where he almost scored, and then he almost then they looked at him uh, on the next uh, pass attempt, right? And he caught the ball and got tackled at the one, and then he ended up scoring on the on the on the run. So he ended up with fourteen. Uh, Care, uh, touches on 69 yards and a touchdown. He was the better start. And, you know, there was some people complaining uh, on Twitter on Tuesday because they had picked up Smallwood based on our waiver wire watch. And I understand that they're frustrated. But on Tuesday, we also got news that um, Doug Peterson said that Cl- uh, Clement was fully healthy. So he was back to 100% after being a, you know, a scratch in terms of snaps played the previous week. We weren't sure about his quad injury, but once uh, he was deemed healthy that changes the dynamic in that backfield and the thing that I went back to uh was the preseason where and coming into the start of the regular season Clement was ahead of Smallwood Smallwood well ahead of him and then Smallwood came in and uh outproduced him in that one game that Ajayi was out but I don't think that was enough to necessarily uh give him the job he did start and get most of the touches uh, last night but then you have uh 
Clement outproducing him on a 3.9 yards per carry to a 2.8 for Smallwood. So they may, I think eventually, I think what you're going to see is Clement in on, the, on all the goal line stuff. And he's, you know, got more targets last night, three compared to one for Smallwood. So he's going to end up uh, outproducing uh, Smallwood if, if they both stay healthy in, the, in, you know, for the rest of the season, if that's the case. Now they may add a, a running back as well, but uh, right now I think Clement's the guy to own. Any uh, thoughts on guys like Nelson Aguilar? I mean, he only had three or five targets, but he had 91 yards because of the one big catch right before halftime. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, though, 8 of 12 for 74 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, he's I'm assuming he's hes firmly in the wide receiver two discussion right now, right? Yeah, he, certainly. He's got the 12 targets. He's, you know, he gets most of that work. And then you've got Ertz as sort of the wide receiver two, the second target in that passing offense. So how much is there going to be left for – for Aguilar, um, you know, like I said, his, he had five targets, but I think he only had four, actually, because the one wasn't meant for him. Okay, let's move over to the Giants now. Saquon Barkley is easy. I mean, you, you, there's nothing to discuss here. He was an absolute beast. 130 yards rushing, 99 additional yards on nine receptions. He had the one beast mode uh, screen play in the first half where he just he was running over everybody and just he was un, unreal, right? So he probably won fantasy owners some, some weeks this week. The problem is Eli Manning, and this was a problem dating back to April when they buy, they they passed up on Sam Darnold, they passed up on Josh Rosen. Dave Gettleman, their general manager, says, I wasn't in love with any of the quarterbacks, so I, I took the best player on the board, Saquon Barkley. Fine, but you still don't have a quarterback. Eli was awful. 281 yards, but everybody can throw for 300 yards now, just getting out of bed. Zero touchdowns and an interception. The, the biggest issue, John, from, from what I'm seeing from a fantasy standpoint, is that he can't throw the ball more than three yards. So Odell Beckham, his his production is suppressed, 44 yards. He saw 10 targets on six six catches, but again, 44 yards, no no touchdowns, and he was visibly frustrated all, all game. Sterling Shepard didn't do anything either, 37 yards on three catches and seven targets. I mean, this this is an issue, and you, you got to wonder if they eventually going to have to just go with the young fourth-round pick, Kyle Aletta, out of uh, Richmond because Eli Manning's brutal. Yeah, I was I was actually at soccer practice for the second half of last night's game, and uh, it was really frustrating watching the game cast of this because you know they're they're down by 18 points and they can't get a first down. Like typically, the Eagles are going to be or defense is going to be a little bit looser. You know, make them complete some passes to you know work their way down the field, eat up six minutes, and then kind of maybe toughen up in the red zone. But they go three and out on a, a couple of possessions uh, with the, with the Eagles. Uh, way ahead so that was frustrating uh i thought this was a game where eli could uh, give good streaming numbers i actually picked him up in our league as our quarterback with uh kirk cousins on that was who did i have i have somebody on by stafford anyway stafford that's right stafford on by uh because you look at what eli did i mean he 326 and two touchdowns against carolina last week he had 297 and two against houston uh seems like he's playing better on the road than at home maybe that's something uh but Last last year against Philly, 434 yards and three touchdowns. Week 15, week three against Philly, 366 yards and three touchdowns. You know, I thought I thought maybe we would see something like 250 and two, but we ended up with 280 and just a pick. So it was. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you're. I don't know how you're trailing that entire time and, and you don't get at least one touchdown or throw for over 300 yards. But that's Eli for you. I would be uh, really nervous about using him i think odell is uh just not as dependable as he was you know the last couple of years 
as well. So, and this was also a game where I thought Sterling Shepard would do really well uh, with uh, you know multiple injuries to the tight ends there. Evan Ingram and uh, uh, the other the backup there were both out. Red, Red Ellison. Ellison. Uh, so yeah, I thought uh, Shepard would do a lot more than he did. But all the yards, I mean, fifty three percent of their total yards, fifty four percent of total yards were gained by Saquon Barkley. So I'm sure Saquon Barkley owners are happy, but uh, Beckham Shepard owners are not too happy. All right. Uh, before we get to some sneaky starts, 4 for 4 just cut the prices for our rest of the season subscriptions. You can get a classic subscription for $19. You can get a pro subscription for $39, and our DFS subscription subscription is for $79. Please, please use the code TMAP. You can get an additional 10% off. TMAP, think of the most accurate podcast. Sneaky starts time. I already picked up, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, John, I picked up one of the quarterbacks who you like, but you also like two. So uh, who are those? Yeah, maybe this is obvious to people. I mean, I get I get flack every every time I post this on Twitter because my sneaky starts aren't sneaky enough. But <laughs> you know, a lot of people have probably forgotten about Jameis Winston, or he was being drafted extremely late in drafts, and maybe they're a little bit nervous about using him in his first game back. But he did get some action last week or the previous week before the bye. They've had two weeks now to prepare for Atlanta. And I'm sorry, Anthony, but you don't need two weeks to prepare for Atlanta. No, uh, with all the injuries going on, are they getting anybody back? And as far as their injuries that you know of, no. In fact, uh, the two safeties remain out. They're done for the year. Deion Jones is out for multiple weeks still because he's on on IR. And the the one current one that uh, is devastating is Grady Jarrett. He's the guy that sacked Tom Brady three times in the Super Bowl. He's their he's their best interior pass rusher. And I just checked before we came on the podcast, and he has not practiced all week, so he's he's likely dealing with a high ankle sprain, and he won't he won't be out there. So that's they're they're just I can't convey to you enough how how injured the Falcons' defense is. Yeah, and I have I have Winston um, in my top five. I mean, in eleven games last year, we played ninety percent or more of the snaps. He averaged three hundred seven yards, one point seven touchdowns, one interception per game. That's uh, an eighteen point nine fantasy point per game average, so I think he's going to come out come out hot, and he's got a good receiving core to throw to. The other guy I wanted to mention is Baker Mayfield. Uh, his last ten quarters of, of football, he's playing at a three hundred sixteen yard, one point two touchdown pace, uh, seven point six seven yards per attempt. Uh, he's added thirty three yards rushing in his last two starts, so he's starting to run the ball a little bit, and they're letting him throw. He's averaging like ten pass attempts a quarter, uh, forty one point two attempts. Uh, per game pace. Uh, I, I say all that because he played two, only played two quarters or two plus quarters in that first uh, game where he came in relief of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, the matchup's great against the Chargers. They've given up 291 yards, 8.37 yards per attempt, 1.8 passing touchdowns to Derek Carr, CJ Beathard, Jared Goff, and Josh Allen. Uh, even if you remove Goff, who's super efficient, the averages only fall to 270 yards, 7.87 yards per attempt, and 1.3 touchdowns. So I think Mayfield is uh, a good start this week. And just real quick on Winston, too. Over his career, he has done well against Atlanta. 12, 12 touchdowns to only two interceptions. And as we know, the interceptions have been a problem for Winston, not against Atlanta, though. Uh, your running back this week is who? Or two running backs, yeah. Uh, I got two. Uh, one is Bilal Powell. Uh, Isaiah Crowell really blew up last week with a couple touchdowns, but he's been sitting out with an ankle injury. So I want to see what he does on Friday. If he doesn't practice again on Friday, then it looks like he might be out with that ankle injury. Uh, even if he it does practice, maybe they limit him. I mean, Bilal Powell has been out-touching him uh, most games, and he out-touched him last week, even with uh, Crowell scoring the two touchdowns and going going bonkers with his rushing. Uh, 
Powell's a good start against Indianapolis this week, even if Crowell's playing. But if he's out, he's a great start. Uh, and then uh, we've talked about Alfred Morris um, as well. So let's talk about uh, Ronald Jones a little bit because he, he uh, before the bye, he came and uh, out-touched uh, Peyton Barber in his first active game, 11-8. to eight. Uh, Now they've got two weeks to get him ready maybe to start against the Falcons. I don't know for sure if that, that'll be the case, or if they're still going to run Barber out there. But they're trying to get that uh, kickstart, that running game. Uh, maybe uh, Jones comes out and sees 15, 17 touches this week. We'll see. Um, but, you know, the, the Falcons are 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back, so it's a good matchup. Uh, wide receivers, you also have two. In, um, well, I won't spoil it. I was going to spoil it. Why spoil it? So the two two sneaky starts <laughs> that you like this week for wide receivers. Can you give me a drum roll? Uh, the, the first <laughs> one is, is, uh, is Michael Crabtree. I think yeah, he's been underperforming a little bit based on his target share that he's getting he's getting 9.2 targets per game he has 40 in his last four games so 10 over the last four games 10 per game um he's in the top 25 in total air yards uh as well which is a good indicator of future success if the guy's sort of under preparing uh under uh performing he's got a great matchup with malcolm butler this week so i think he's a pretty good start there the titans are 23rd and just a fantasy points allowed to wide receivers the other guy i'd like to mention is chester rogers he's actually you know we thought ryan grant might be the the better play there, but Rogers has quietly put together a couple of nice PPR games. Eleven targets in Week Four, he caught eight for eighty-five yards, so that's like sixteen point five PPR fantasy points. And then last week against the Patriots, he had another eleven targets, so twenty-two over his last two weeks, caught eight of them for sixty-six yards, so fourteen point six PPR fantasy points. Uh, he too has a, a good matchup in the slot uh, against Perry Nickerson uh, for the Jets, who's not playing well this season. So Rodgers is a pretty good play too. All right. And then finally tight ends. I like, I like the first one. He has been so disappointing. I feel like he was on the sleeper radar all last year, but he's coming off a great, uh, great performance last week against Pittsburgh. And that is Austin Hooper. Yeah. Hooper is getting more involved in the, in the offense this year. He did have like that hiccup against Cincinnati where he only had two targets, but he's had at least four targets in all of the other four games. And he had 12 targets against Pittsburgh last week. This is probably going to be a shootout with the Falcons and the Bucks. So he could see another big workload. I don't think we'll see 12, um, but uh, the Bucks are 31st and just a fantasy points allowed to tight end. So this is a nice matchup for him. And then you got one the other more. guy. Yeah. The other guy is Niles Paul. Um, he, People might remember Niles Paul from his days in Washington where he was the backup to uh, Jordan Reed and he would get the occasional start because uh, Reed was out and then he would get injured so then somebody else would have to start for Paul in Paul's place. But against the Chiefs yes, uh, last week, week five, seven catches for 65 yards on nine targets. That's a lot of targets. Um, Blake Bortles attempted 60-something passes, I think. So he won't get that uh, many targets probably because uh, it – you know, won't be that many pass attempts, but he saw like a 14, 15% target share. And that's pretty good. Uh, the matchup is not bad against Dallas. They're 20th and just a fantasy points allowed to tight end. So if you're streaming the position, just need a guy pretty athletic and can make some plays. Uh, Niles Paul could be that guy for you. All right, there you have it again. Don't forget to check out league sync via your app store and four for four, cut those prices on the classic sub, the pro sub and the DFS sub. 
for the uh, DFS subscription. Don't forget to use that code TMAP to get an additional 10% off as well. You can follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. I have some picks out for you um, at some point. And John, don't forget to check out all of uh, his outstanding ratings, rankings before you set your lineups for Sunday. Good luck to you. We will see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. You can't put your arm around a memory. You can't put your arm around a memory. You can't put your arm around a memory. Don't try.